episode 48 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined as always by my man in St. Louis, David Mirkatani. David, how's it going? It's going great, man. Uh, congratulations on the trip. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to hear about your impressions of everything. I'm sure you had a blast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, certainly unique and uh, tons of incredible stuff to write about. Uh, the United States winning its first Junior World freestyle title since 1984. If you want to take it back uh, even further, you could uh, say that one in 84 comes with a little bit of an asterisk by it because uh, uh, Soviet Union was not in that tournament. Uh, this one, the United States went heads up with Russia all the way down to the wire. The last match, Gable Stevenson comes through, <laughs> wins a junior world title. He's cadet eligible, had to petition to get in, had to have paperwork <laughs> to get into the tournament because he was too young. And uh, that was a separate story in itself. But uh, but anyway, he locks it up. Dayton Fix, Mark Hall also win world titles. Mitch McKee, uh, Silver. Uh, Ryan Deacon, silver, Zahid Valencia, silver, and Colin Moore, bronze. Malik Heinzelman uh, contributed it as well. They needed his points to win the title. And uh, women's freestyle, Maya Nelson, uh, gold medalist there. And uh, Greco-Roman, Kamal Bay, man, that guy put on a show. And uh, he brings home the gold. First junior world Greco champion for the United States since Garrett Lowney back in 1999. So as I mentioned, lots of uh, incredible stuff to write about from that tournament. Well, and, 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 uh, and you can't forget about my boy, Severato. Absolutely not. That guy, yeah, I mean, he gets in as an alternate. Number two in the United States to number two in the world. Pretty cool story yeah. there. You With know, a bum knee. Yep, yeah. Yep, to get in as an alternate and then make it all the way to the gold medal match. Uh, heck of a tournament that Sevian Severato had. As you mentioned, that's your guy. That's the guy that uh, you've worked with down there in uh, Missouri. So, I mean, I imagine that that had to make you pretty happy, pretty proud to uh, see what Sevian did down there, <laughs> out there. Uh, you know, my dad and I had a very small, small percentage to do with any of his success. He he trained with a great coach and staff here with Cornell Robinson and CBC and with, with Malik uh, Johnson and with Josh Saunders and, and DJ. And all those kids, I mean, they got a stud team, but, um, DJ Shannon, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we have a friendship with him and his, his dad and, um, and his coach Russell for our, you know, for us at Merrimack. So, uh, it was a good reason to stay up, uh, you know, and, uh, real excited. And those guys are actually all coming over to my house on Sunday. We're going to barbecue and, you know, throw some washers and bags and have some fun and celebrate all with an amazing summer that whole team had. I mean, all kinds of crazy accomplishments those guys have had yeah did you get a chance to watch a lot of the freestyle i got a chance to watch a lot of it not a lot of it live you know but uh yeah you know went back in the archives on track and watched a lot of the matches knowing you know we would be talking about this and you know want to get your insight or opinion or you know your impression of things on, on at least one or two things so uh yeah it you know track did a great job and it was just cool and it's cool to watch other matches, like other style matches, you know, not just the Americans, you know, I mean, I, you know, my dad and I are kind of technique nerds, so it was kind of fun to watch that stuff, too. David, I, I tell you what, I've been covering wrestling for 19 years, and I don't think I've ever seen a, a day like last Wednesday and the performance that the United States put on on the second day of men's freestyle, 14 and 0 in the opening session of the day to reach the medal rounds, to put all four guys in the gold medal match. Uh, and it wasn't just 14-0 and 0 and squeaking by, winning some close <laughs> ones. There were 13 blowout matches. There was one close match in the entire opening session. It was Ryan Deacon coming back from down 6-0 against Mongolia to win a 7-6 uh, decision there. Three takedowns after the break to win that bout. That was the only close one. And otherwise, I mean, you throw that match in and combine all the scores of that morning session, the yeah. United States outscored its opponents 160 to 20 in bouts. And it, and, and it wasn't like they got soft draws and made it through on the easy side no. of the bracket. They wrestled. Yeah. There was one stretch during during the morning out there 
where uh, Dayton Fix, uh, Zahid Valencia, and Gable Stevenson wrestled the gold, silver, and bronze uh, medalists from last year's tournament. The returning gold, silver, and bronze at their weight classes, and outscored them thirty-five to two. <laughs> it was incre- an incredible performance, you know, and and. Um, my former colleague Bryce Miller at the Des Moines Register, and he used to cover wrestling way back when, uh, all the way back to uh, his days at the Iowa City Press Citizen. He covered uh, Iowa wrestling before I did at the Iowa City Press Citizen. And uh, Bryce said that, you know, just from reading my story, he said it, it reminded him of 97 up here just down the street from my house at the Unidome when Iowa got on that incredible run in the 97 tournament and won. I think like 24 straight matches at one point uh, yeah. on Friday at the na- you know at the national tournament between Thursday and Friday and and blew the tournament scoring record out of the water. Uh, it, it just felt like uh, every time that uh, an American took the mat their last Wednesday that that they were going to win. And- yeah, it it's interesting. You look at it from you know I always look at things from a coach's perspective, and it's really you know you get. You you know, everybody in the world says they know how to peak their guy. It's literally in the world. You know, I'm going to peak my guy. You're going to peak your guy. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just lucky. Sometimes you have kids that kind of, you know, they're flaky in a good way. And, like, the, the pressure doesn't bother them. And sometimes you get kids that, you know, pressure really drives them. I, I think what was really interesting was, I, you know, I talked to some guys I really respect about this. And they said the the groundwork for this junior success goes all the way back to when Zeke Jones got in place and, and really put some benchmarks in place to really make this a priority. And that it's like anything. It's like planting a garden. It's like anything, you know, harvesting crops. You don't see results right away. But, you know, the structure is in place for the Kamal Bays of the world for, you know, these other, you know, all the kids you just mentioned, but, you know, Kamal specifically going to, you know, Greco school. For this to result, you know, and... I think it's also a huge, huge endorsement, feather in the cap, pat on the back, whatever you want to talk about, to Cody Bickley and what he's doing with these age group programs. And I feel really good. We had him on Matt Chat literally, you know, weeks before this happened. And I think to all these RTCs where these guys are training. I mean, when I was in Stillwater, Dayton was down there training with those guys. I mean, you know, Mark Hall's training at Nittany Lion. I mean, we can name all the guys. And and even like a program like Northwestern, which, you know, like we talked about, Deacon just kind of came out of the woodwork and makes the finals of the world. And I don't even know where we're going to rank him in the NCAAs this yeah, season. I mean, yeah, I was for sure. like, what a nightmare that's going to be. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, the guy finished fifth at Fargo last year. He goes from fifth at Fargo to second in the world <laughs> in, in less than 12 months. That's jumping levels just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's it's such a credit to all these guys, like the Storniolos and Howes in that case, and you know the Cornell Robinsons with Sevian, and you know all the guys coaching Kamal Bay, and you know Derek Fix and and Zach Esposito out there with with Dayton, and just so on and so on. I mean, it it really kind of shows you the wrestling, the you know USA wrestling really is a you know it's that old takes a village thing, and just just amazing to watch, you know over the internet, I can't even imagine what it was like to be there in person. I mean, I, I would, you know, when I had Rich Bender on, he said, you watch these things and it brings tears to your eyes. I would think it almost had to have done that in your case. I mean, just, it had to be moving to watch. Well, it was, uh, like I said, something I'd, I'd never really seen at a high level tournament like that. Uh, and, and it's certainly a day in wrestling. I'm, I'm not going to forget anytime soon, but, uh, Man, you know, and you just break it down individually. We talk about Deacon and the tournament he had and what, what uh, amazing progress he's made in in the last year. And, and it's funny because, you know, I mentioned Fargo. And then he goes to his first college tournament, the the Eastern Michigan Open, and and doesn't place there. And and it was funny. I was talking to Matt Storniolo, the Northwestern coach there, uh, between, I think it was after the medal round. And... Uh, he said that he went to Deacon and, and told him after after the morning session, after he reached the finals, he went up to Deacon and joked around. He says, he goes, this tournament is way easier than the Eastern Michigan Open. <laughs> what 
a great line. Yeah. They should yeah, get shirts sure. made that say that. For sure. <laughs> Eastern Michigan should get shirts that, that are, I want to cut. If they come up with those shirts, I want to cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's just levels though, right? I mean, they're just yeah, jumping yeah. levels. Yep. So, um, you know, and to, to break it down individually, Dayton fix 53 points scored, one point allowed in his five matches. Tech's his way through the Junior World Championships. And as I mentioned, he, he teched the, the returning champion, uh, just mowed through the guy. I mean, it was it was 2 nothing before the guy could get in. Before the guy got into his stance, Dayton's around and, and you know, kind of a slide-by takedown, uh, sure. chuck takedown. Behind, two turns on top, 40 seconds in, the guy wants no part of, part of Dayton Fix at that point. And, you know, Fix was just an animal on top. He's, he's got so many things that he can do, uh, you know, with his top game, you know, trap arm series. And, uh, you know, the guy's gotten a heck of a lot better on his feet, too. I mean, nobody's, nobody's really scoring points on him. I think, I think one push out he gave up in the finals, and that was it. So. He talked to um, he talked to us at Tulsa about his hand fighting that he felt like it had already gotten better at Stillwater, and then you see like him and the Mark Halls of the world, especially the, a lot of Americans ignore the top game and those guys to win at that level easily. I think you just have to have a really good top game, and they are putting moves together in sequences that like if I do move A really hard. I either get it or you defend it and it transitions right into move B, you know, like that bent leg Turk right to trap arm. I mean, it's just, and you know, they're not making moves up, but they're just practicing them so well that they're having such a high level success with it. Yep. And Mark Hall, uh, you know, the tournament he had, he beats the Russian in, uh, I can't remember. I think it was a second match. Valiev, uh-huh. uh, who placed second at the senior level Russian nationals. So, you know, you're talking about a guy that uh, pretty high caliber opponent and and uh, Valiev, you know, didn't even make it the medal round. He got clipped by the Iranian. And uh, so Mark Hall had to go through the tough side of the bracket, uh, did so with without too many problems there. And then uh, pin in 42 seconds, I think, 42, 43 seconds, cement mixer in the finals. Uh, really Can we talk about how much courage? Can we talk about how much courage it just takes to hit a cement mixer in the finals? I mean, you know, the year before, if I, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got to take down in four leg laces, you know, in, in literally like less than a minute. And not that that's not amazing because it is, but you know, you're not really in danger. I mean, a cement, cement mixer, even if you do it perfect, you're still passing across your own back. And I mean, to do that at the highest level like that is just, I don't know, just the, I don't know if I got a better word than courage, but just the guts to to do that. I mean, obviously he's comfortable there, but it's just, you know, he's not scared to lose. He's trying to win. I think that's really what impressed me most about that sequence in the finals. Well, the word that I used for him was rattleproof. And he even talked about like, you know, that, that sequence in the finals, he said, you know, worst case scenario, I give up to. And, you know, the thing that amazed me about Mark Hall is just uh, from that tournament. You go back and watch his match with the Iranian, uh, who was in on him like four times, and and had both legs corralled maybe a couple times in there. And and Mark Hall outscrambled him from that position, where like you've got both of his legs, and and you're in position that like you're going to score on ninety nine and a half percent of of guys when when you're in that deep and you have both legs corralled. And he's finding a way. Uh, to not only neutralize you, but also score points out of those positions. And, right. and the, the guy's like facial expression never, ever seems to change no matter how much danger he appears to be in. And uh, I, I think he's just got such a keen understanding of, of uh, you know, his body and, and, you know, where weight should go at, at just the right time in those scrambles. Uh, uh, the guy... You know, I, I don't know that I've really ever seen anybody that uh, is that proficient in, in freestyle scrambling as he is. And, and like I said, I, I, I think it's, it's demoralizing to, to opponents because I think, you know, I think it was like the third or fourth time the Iranian was in on him. Uh, he got in on a shot and he was in super deep and then he just froze like a deer in headlights. Like, 
I don't want to move here for fear that this guy's going to take me down. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the the mental toll that that, that takes on, on guys, it's, it's hard to measure, but, um, you know, the, that guy's got so much savvy for, for a guy that's 20 years old. It, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And then it's uh, crazy. You know, he lost, you know, and he lost in the open tournament to Brucky and then lost in the Iowa duel. And, you know, again, I think what, what's amazing about him and Deacon, you know, that we've talked about so far is they don't let what happened in the past in any way impact their confidence. You know, I mean, like you said, Deacon didn't place at Eastern Michigan and like, yeah, I can be a world champion. Like th- that's a special mindset. A lot of people can say that out loud. A lot of people can post that on social media. You know, a lot of people can buy a t-shirt that says that, but a lot of, there's very few people that will train hard enough to do that and then literally have the belief in themselves when the chips are down. I mean, that that's, that is special. That is not ordinary. That is special. Do you get a chance to watch uh, Zahid Valencia's gold medal match? I did. And I, I don't, I listened to the interview and you know, that we, that you did with Zeke about the explanation of the caution and two that he got. Um, but it's kind of a blur. I, I had a family member that was sick and in the hospital. So, you know, kind of didn't retain everything this weekend and a lot of sleepless nights, but, um, I don't know what, what could he have done in that position to not get caution and two. My understanding is you're, you know, to, to get out there, you know, and it's rear standing position there. Uh, where the the Russian was behind him, uh, Zahid grabbed the hands, grabbed the fingers, and peeled them away. Uh, my understanding, you know, from talking to Zeke Jones is, you know, and I even asked him that question, like, what are you supposed to do when a guy's behind you? And uh, because in folk style, you know, you grab the hands, you peel, yeah, peel right. the hands apart. Uh, but he said, grab the wrist. Apparently, you know that that's, you know, that's the one thing you can do there. And I I really don't know what else you're supposed to do to avoid getting taken down it. I mean, uh, it obviously was the difference in the match, but he also had a lot of time to come back from it. You know, it wasn't like it happened. He was ahead after that. Yep. Yeah. yeah so, came. I mean, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, even if you think he got hosed, he did have time to recover and he had a great tournament. You know, he just wrestled a really good guy in the finals, kind of like Colin Moore wrestling a really good guy, you know, before the finals. And sometimes, I mean, I think this tournament kind of spoiled us for how good, the rest of the world is, you know, like, I mean, what, what they did is unprecedented. It's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Gable Steveson, like I said, you know, they had to, you know, fill out the paperwork just to get him to be able to compete. Uh, He's cadet eligible (laughs) and he not only wins the tournament, he runs through it like 61 to 11 outscores his opponent 61 to 11. Four of the points he gave up were on caution and twos in the semifinal against the Russian for the guy just got an underhook on him, was driving him out of bounds, and you know, Gable went out of bounds backward twice and they hit him with caution and two. And it's interesting, you know, a nine two match turned into nine seven in the blink of an eye, and Gable kinda uh there was one situation after he gave up the two caution and twos where you know he got pushed out again. You know, he's driving the guy to the edge, got pushed out. And hit his head, and you're sitting there thinking, like, this match going to unravel on him? And right before the break, he got a takedown, and then it was all Gable after that sequence. But, uh, man, that guy, David, to to be 17 years old (laughs) and, you know, have another year of high school eligibility left and to completely wreck heavyweights at the Junior World Championships like he did – you know, you start thinking about down the line. and if That's my question is, for you. That's my question yeah. for you. Is he in the finals of the Olympic trials in 2020? If you had to guess now, is it him and Gwiz in the finals? I I would not bet against Gable Stevenson being there. I think he's going to make a quick transition to the senior level. And having seen him wrestle Gwiz live out in, in Colorado Springs and, and seeing how competitive that was. Yeah. Um, now, Gwiz won the match. And but, practice uh, is practice, but I mean, it's just yeah. practice. Yep, yep. But, uh, you know, to stand in there and be competitive with the senior world team member, you know, that's all I needed to see. Uh, I think. <laughs> sure, that's I enough. Think, 
Right. I think yeah. that, you know, and he scored points on Kyle Snyder. Uh, I think that where that guy is from an athletic standpoint and, and certainly, you know, a wrestling skill standpoint, I think, I think he's going to make a really quick transition to the senior level. And, you know, he's going to be, uh, I think even before 2020 is going to be a factor on the senior level. Sure. I mean, I'm giving him a couple years, but yeah, I mean, right. It's crazy. And, and, you know, and it, that's a guy like there, you know, like, does he take an Olympic red shirt, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Minnesota got themselves obviously a gem, you know, for sure. So yeah. Yeah. It's super impressive. I mean, th- yeah, it's, it's, and you know, that's a weight class where maturity, like physical maturity, like it's a lot easier to win at 110 or 121 you know, 50, 55 kilos and be young and petition up. I mean, heavyweight's the hardest weight, you know, in in, in that case. I mean, that's why I'm I'm just laughing. Like, you know, I mean, I thought it was a big deal when I was in ninth and 10th grade, you know, wrestling in 11th and 12th grade tournaments. You you know, what's interesting is I talked to a friend of mine today who's, who's a very high level guy in wrestling. And we were just talking about, you know, we're talking about this, about junior, junior worlds at, at all three levels, all of it, you know, all three divisions. And I said, you know, what's crazy is I go, I'm actually made the junior world team and or the cadet world team in 1986. And we ended up boycotting, but before we boycotted, the plan was like, show up four days ahead of time. And, you know, here's a checklist, you know, you got a, a checklist in the mail. Obviously there's no email back then, but you know, of what to do, like, you know, get a passport, all this stuff, but there was no training camp. There was no watching tape. There was no game plan. There wasn't even like, here's what you should be working on. I think that's the evolution that's so dramatic. And I think it's, you know, he, and he said, he goes, you, you need to talk about that. Cause that's a huge difference. So I, it is crazy, you know, and, and no matter how old you are, you know, you want the next generation to do better and be better, but that's what I think USA wrestling and a lot of these things have done is, is put these guys in a much, much better scenario to succeed. I think it, and it's, you're now, that's why you're seeing some results like this. I think it's a combination of really good kids, but really good environments as well. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned Zeke Jones and, and the job that he did at USA wrestling. And, uh, you know, you talk about that at the top, there, I did an interview with Zeke. You, you mentioned the, the one about the call on Zahid, uh, but I did a separate interview with Zeke uh, there in Tampa Ray. Uh, after the finals, and asked him just about the the evolution of the age development uh, the, or the age level program, and and uh, how much um, success that that's having now, and tracing it back to when the seeds were planted. And uh, he he talked about his early years at USA Wrestling and how they they really studied the Russian system inside and out. And one of the reasons that uh, you know the Russians were you know have been so successful is is they get their youngest guys around their oldest guys too and and it forces them you know to to come along faster and and <laughs> yeah you tell them to deep about, end and make them swim yeah yeah and we talk, you know i talked about it uh having been out at the the otc in in early july and seeing you know gable against guez and gable against uh kyle snyder and david carr against james green and jason nolf and and seeing these young guys like not just out there trying to hold position and hang on, but, but actually, you know, trusting their skills enough to fire off shots and, and, you know, basically not taking a back seat. Uh, right. You know, that's, that's how you progress is, is figuring out what you can and what you can't do and where you need work. And, and I think that that's, that's been vital. I mean, cause you look in, in Kyle Snyder going out the Olympic training center and, and spending his senior year of high school out there and being, around professionals and you think about like you know you know kyle snyder's still the youngest guy on the world on the senior level world team and yet he's got a world title olympic title under his belt he's he's you know he's the leader of the team maybe the most mature 21 year old i've ever met and uh sure yeah and uh that has you know, in my opinion, that probably has a large, you know, played a large role in that. Kyle was probably physically and mentally mature enough to begin with to handle that stuff. But but certainly being on his own a little bit earlier, being around uh, 
you know, guys that are out of college and doing this for a living, you know, probably accelerated the growth process for him. And, and uh, I, I think we're going to see, you know, more of that. You know, Mark Hall talked about that in Tampa Bay, how, you know, the, the summer after his eighth grade year in high school, he went out and spent the, the you know, the summer out of the Olympic Training Center. And there was like a two-week stretch where he said, you know, he hardly scored a takedown. You know, he's wrestling. You know, here's an eighth grader wrestling with Chase Pammy and, you know, Moza Fay and guys like that. And, and uh, you know, but but what it taught him was, all right, you know, I can do these things against high school guys. I can't do these certain things against against grown men. And here's where I need to adapt and evolve. And The uh, fact that he said I, I hardly scored, that's impressive that he scored at all as an eighth yeah. grader against senior level guys. Yeah. But yep. yeah, for sure. I mean, my dad did that with us. You know, you, though, you, you know, I was wrestling with college guys when I was 12 and, it, you know, it's much smaller scale, but it also takes a mentality to do that. Correct. You know, there's a lot of guys that would have done what Mark Hall did and called their mommy after two days and said, bring me home. This sucks. You yeah. know, yeah, I mean, he, he talked the, about that, too. He talked about how, you know, it's identifying the the young wrestlers who are physically and mentally mature enough to handle it and it's not it's not for everybody uh but when when you find somebody uh that has the characteristics you're looking for that you know the maturity like kyle and mark hall uh it can certainly press the throttle down in, in terms of uh you know their development as wrestlers right yeah i agree i agree completely i mean but it's you know it's very unique you know, I mean, it's very unique. Different guys can do it and handle it. And other guys, if you push them that hard, it it backfires. And, you know, these are all just sort of different things that have gone into the recipe of the success. And I think, you know, we've talked about for weeks with who we've had on with Rich Bender and Kevin Jackson and Gary Mayab and, uh, uh, you know, all the, the age level guys and everything else, um, just being able to bring along these guys, they're going to continue to figure out what worked well and tweak it and make it better and better. I don't see there's any way how that, I'm not saying they're going to have the same results. You know, it's, you know, part of it too is just having the right group of athletes at the right time, you know? So, but you know, I mean, I just know guys like Bender and Bickley and, and, you know, I know you interviewed Maya, but he's, I mean, that was, those were breakthrough moments having guys in the Greco finals like that and having a champion. That's huge. It's absolutely game changing. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the, the Greco and the breakthrough there. And uh, sitting there in the arena Saturday after Kamal Bay won the world championships, you know, the one thing that ran through my head, and, and I go back to, 2011, the day after the World Championships, after Jordan Burroughs won his world title, uh, I wrote a piece. I was at the Des Moines Register at the time, and I wrote a piece then that uh, basically w was like, this is the guy that USA Wrestling has waited 20 years for. You know, somebody that's young and successful and just getting started, just scratching the surface. And, you know, Jordan was just starting to kind of come out of his shell at that point. I mean, I, I'd interviewed him in college and he wasn't the same guy as he was his first year out of college. He was so much more charismatic and, and um, engaging as far as the media went. And then you throw in the, you know, the Twitter handle, all I see is gold. I mean, he, he you know, he just had something, there's something special about him in the early days of that, that first run. Yeah. And and so I, I remember writing this piece, like, this is the guy the United States has waited for since John Smith. You know, somebody that's a winner, that people can get behind, that's, you know, has this, uh, you know, megawatt personality. And, uh, you know, and, and I thought, like, you know, this guy, like I said, is just getting started. He's he's still learning positions. He's basically out there just scoring takedowns and, and not turning people. And he's getting pushed out a little bit. And. You know, if he can beat Dennis Sargouche in his first year out when he, he really doesn't know what he's doing yet in freestyle, wait until uh, this guy really figures it out. And and to me, he had the whole package then. I felt like Saturday, 
Um, and I'm not saying that Kamal Bay is going to win an Olympic title and win, you know, four world and Olympic titles like Jordan Burroughs has, but it felt kind of similar to me. Like this is the guy that USA wrestling needs from a Greco Roman standpoint. And, and for what Kamal Bay did, if, if, you know, even if you're not a Greco fan, you have to go watch the oh, matches that this guy. Uh, if you're not a Greco guy, fan, you'll be a Greco fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's easier said than done to produce, you know, a team full of these guys. But uh, tell you what, if if uh, the United States can start multiplying and getting more guys like this, and and you know these these type of guys don't come along very often. But if if uh, we're talking about two or three of these guys rather than just one, that go you know they can go out and score points and big throws and aren't afraid to give up points because they know that they're going to score more. It's going to make Greco a lot more popular in the United States. You know, Kamal Bay scores in the Junior World Championships, 9-0 tech fall, 10-1 tech fall, 7-4 in the quarters was his low-scoring match of the day, 19-7 in the semis, 16-11 in the finals. Yeah. And on top Great of matches. being... Great matches. Yeah. On top of being unbelievably fun to watch, incredibly explosive... Uh, you know, when the camera's on, you know, the guy is, is equally as entertaining and, you know, if, if he can continue to mature and, uh, you know, tighten some things down too, um, I, I think you're looking at a superstar. I think you, I think you're looking at, uh, you know, and, and this was mentioned to me on press row in Tampa Ray, you know, does this guy have the skills to become the greatest American Greco Roman wrestler ever. And I think the tools are maybe in place there. I, you know, I, I don't know who, you know, when you start looking back at, at the greats that, that have come through the United States, um, there, there really hasn't been, you know, a ton of, of guys that, uh, you know, it's not like we have a John Smith, right. You know, sure. Bruce Baumgartner. Right. you know, yeah. our, our history as a country in Greco Roman isn't as, uh, storied. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, it, it's a fascinating story to me that, that, that this guy took such a unique route in, in, you know, come on, Bay, if, if you go back, I think top 20 recruit nationally, there's his a, senior there's, year of high school. Yeah. There's a couple things here that really strike me from what you're saying. First of all, you've got to give a ton of credit to Mike Powell and Oak Park River Forest. This is Absolutely. the second time they've done this with a guy like, you know, he, this is Ellis Coleman. I recruited Ellis coming out of high school and Mike's like, I'm sending him to Northern Michigan. And, you know, it broke my heart and a lot of college coaches heart, but it was obviously the right decision. The guy made the Olympic team, you know, the highest level in America you can make at a really young age. And he's in the fight. You know, he was in the fight to make it again this last time and came up a match short, you know, but, you know, and that, and Mike, puts that mentality in those kids like you cannot be afraid to give up points you have to go score points i mean whether it's that iowa mentality you know penn state mentality oklahoma state mentality ohio state mentality whatever it is he's brought it to greco the second thing and i was telling my dad this before i even knew the results i said because we were in the tunnel with uh kamal he had to go through that special match to make the junior world team in Greco in Lincoln because he lost the senior world trials where he was a huge favorite against Manville, lost a really close match. And then I think mentally was out of it and got tech the second match. We, we have to give a lot of credit to Mason Manville here. You know, if we're talking about Kamal baby and a superstar and he is, first of all, Mason Manville might've given him the greatest gift in the world by putting him on the junior team. You know, yeah, I think there's some, there's some other factors in play there. I think, I think uh, Kamal, you know, it has said even out in Lincoln that he got uh, dinged in that match against Mason Manville. I think he got concussed in the first one, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, okay, but uh, you know, take nothing away from Manville. I mean, he's you know first year out of high school and he's on the senior world team as well. And in uh, and even I, if he got dinged, whatever happened, he's on the junior team now. And there's a lot of guys to be like, let's let's say he got dinged, and let's say he's like he believes he's better than Manville. There's a lot of guys that would pout. There's a lot of guys that look at the junior 
tournament like a JV tournament and not do what they can. And that kid took advantage of the opportunity and his name's in the history books now. And guys like you and me are talking about, can he be an all-time great? And I know this, he's a lot closer to that than he was a week ago because confidence is a chicken and the egg thing. And once you get it is when you start really getting great. So as good as he is, he's going to be better after this weekend. So, you know, I just, I'm friends with Mike Powell. He's got a really unique story health-wise and, you know, overcoming a lot of things. And he's a really a surrogate father to a lot of those guys. So I, I make, I got to make sure we credit, you know, him and the, and the entire OPRF staff with, you know, really laying the groundwork for Kamal. Cause I mean, what he, what the, that kid did, you know, he just didn't learn it all in the last three years. You right. know, I mean, he, he's been tossing kids on their domes for a long time, but you know, watching him and Sevian make the finals. I mean, that, that was awfully cool. And, I'm a Greco guy. I did a lot of Greco. I like it. You know, I'm friends with Couture and, you know, he's a Greco guy. So I think there's, it's, it's great. It was great for Linlin, great for Mab. And it's, I think it's also really good for the Greco program because it's a chance for them to bring over more guys like a Gabe Dean and say, look, we can win at the highest level. I mean, I know it's juniors, but you got to start winning somewhere and that, and faith has to be built up. And this was a tremendous step for that as well. Yep. I think uh, as impressive as Saturday was in the United States ends uh, Saturday in first place in the team standings, uh, Sunday's a reminder that there's still a lot of work to go. I mean, 0-4 on the second day of the tournament. Uh, so, you know, Gary May, I've talked about that as well. They want to, you know, certainly want to get more days like Saturday. You want to become consistent across the board. And I think some of that was to be expected when you looked at uh, the way that the the weights were distributed and where United States top guys were, you know, they're competing on the front end of the tournament, Saturday of the tournament. And so, you know, with Bay and Giangelo Hancock. Um, so, you know, also Taylor Lamont that day as well. Um, Severato, you know, making the, well, the uh, incredible run to the gold medal match. And Severato was the guy that wasn't, yeah, he was, you know, he was the eighth dwarf on that team. He on the first day, I mean, he was a guy not expected to do anything, you know, of those other versus those other three kids and couldn't be prouder of him. And just, you know, like I heard your interview with him. He's like, you know, I, I you, they put me on the same day with the big boys. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be yep. the dead weight, you know, and didn't want to be the weight. It, it's wing it's wing. awesome. It was awesome for him and, you know, awesome to contribute to Team USA like that. All right, David, switching gears from the Junior World Championships to what's going on in the college world right now. The big news this week, Nick Seriano uh, has requested and received his release. uh, According to Penn State, has received his release to explore a transfer to Rutgers. David, this one's been uh, kind of bubbling for a while. Uh, Certainly something that you know, when, when it first, uh, came out, you know, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people kind of wondered, you know, is this legit because of the fact that, uh, you know, usually when you see somebody that's on the move, uh, you see somebody that's, um, looking for a spot to get into a lineup or they're just, you know, not happy with, you know, the lineup situation, the coaching situation, what's going on within the program, whatever it may be. Uh, but uh, for for Penn State to lose a you know potentially lose a guy of Suriano's caliber that uh, had such an incredible freshman season uh, up to number two in the national rankings for most of the second half of the, half of the season only one loss prior to the ankle injury in February uh, kind of a stunner. Yeah, agreed. And you said it right. I mean, basically when you see somebody wanting to leave, the reason why they want to leave, the basic statement is they're unhappy. And the reason why they're unhappy is usually pretty apparent. And in this case, that's just not, you know, I don't think anybody, maybe obviously some people know, but it's not public knowledge why he's unhappy. Yeah, it's not probably, you you articulated that better than I did, but uh, uh, certainly, um, you know, it uh, if indeed he follows through on it, and, and and it seems to me like probably the toothpaste is out of the tube at this point, and uh, you know it's probably not going to go back in. But but you never know. Uh, but that being said, uh, boy, big blow for Penn State to go from having the uh, you know I would say if if Nathan Tomasello doesn't go back down to one twenty five and and that remains up in the air, 
uh, and talking to him a couple weeks ago, he said it was 50-50 at this point, and, and he was uh, definitely going to start the season at 133 pounds. But uh, um, you take Surrey, uh, Tomasello out of there, you know, you got Darian Cruz, obviously the, the returning national champion, and then uh, Ethan Lezak, the other finalist. Uh, but uh, Suriano's right in that mix uh, to be well, he's at a the top of the mix, right? Contender. Yeah, yep. I mean, yep, he beat sure. Cruz. Yep. Yeah, I I did some homework on this because you know you and I obviously talked about this off air, and I wasn't completely sure about the rules, so I called some people because I figured if I didn't know, there's probably a chance some of our listeners don't know. So there's a couple of points here that are super pertinent. Number one is that it's almost like a decision tree. Once Suriano wants to go, he has a, a, a choice, a Big Ten school or a non-Big Ten school. And if he goes to a Big Ten school, we'll start with a non-Big Ten school, then he can either get a release or not get a release. If he gets a release, then he can immediately be eligible, immediately collect aid, and doesn't have to redshirt. If he's not released and goes to XYZ University, that's not a Big Ten school, he can still transfer there, use his redshirt year to sit out, and still have three national tournaments, but that redshirt year he cannot receive financial aid. Now, once you go to a Big Ten school, the Big Ten has a conference rule. The person I talked to said this was primarily because the athletic directors in the revenue sports are heavily, heavily measured by how they do within the conference, and what Schools, universities, coaches, ADs don't want to see Andy Hamilton go from school A to school B within the conference and end up being a factor in, in that school, you know, winning and losing. So that's a conference rule. Penn State has given Suriano a release to Rutgers only. And Rutgers now, he can go to Rutgers, but if he goes, he sits out a year. He cannot use his red shirt year for that. And that is something that I think is prevalent out there and is wrong. And he would then only have, because he missed this year with an injury, his next three years, so 2019, 20, and 21, he has those years to use two national tournaments and a red shirt. So it's, it's not, it's, it's sticky. Here's the other thing. Suriano has only requested a release to Rutgers, but I know for a fact the two other non-Division One schools have sent Penn State what's called a permission to contact, and both of those have been turned down. So th there's a lot of moving parts there. I don't know what your thoughts are on all that. Well, you know, the thing that I'm most interested in is is hearing from Nick Seriano at this point and just, uh, you know, hearing, you know, what's going through his head. I mean, and the thing is, like, you know, a lot of times we forget, and I made this point with with Isaiah Martinez when there was so much flying around after Mark Perry left that, um, you know, and, and it's a little bit different situation with, with Seriano, obviously. But, but, you know, the point I made with Isaiah Martinez was, you know, Here's a guy that spent four years of his life at the University of Illinois, and you know you, you make friends there. You get uh, accustomed to you know where everything is, and and to uproot yourself and transfer for your your fifth year uh, of college isn't isn't necessary. I mean, I, the point I I was making was there's there's a lot of non wrestling stuff that goes into these decisions too, and I and I think. Right. Uh, certainly, you have to look at it from Suriano's standpoint that uh, you know. Rutgers was was a school he looked at in the beginning, and and uh, you know the the possibility of of uh, and I'm I'm not saying he's homesick or anything like that, but uh, you know sometimes maybe that plays a part in it, wanting to get closer back to home, and and uh, you know basically the the biggest thing for me is is uh, you know I want to hear you know what is it that's that's uh, moving the needle here in terms of of him wanting to move out and, and move on. Well, cause it's I, like, I, I think it, that's, I think what, that's what probably everybody's asking themselves right now, because yeah. uh, you know, Penn State's and, just got such a good thing going on. They, they you know, from the sur surface, you, you sit there and wonder like, what on earth could it be that, that uh, a guy that, that had success like that and, and, you know, obviously he's got a lineup spot waiting for him and, you know, seems to be, 
pretty good situation for uh, post-grad training as well. Um, just, you know, on the surface, it, it, you know, makes you wonder what, what is it that's, that's driving this? Well, I remember t- learning in a class one time, somebody said when relationships are severed, whether they're marriages, whatever, that it's the person has to have a reason to leave and they have to have a reason to go somewhere else. I think the reason, I mean, if he's naming Rutgers as the only school he wants to go to, I don't think it's a gigantic leap in logic to say it's it has something to do with being closer to home. Because with all due respect to Coach Goodale and Pritzloff, it's not like Rutgers was the national runner-up this year. So it's, he's not going there because, you know, they've had a, t- you know, a bunch of national champions at the lower weights or, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. It's because it's in New Jersey and he's a New Jersey guy. The, I think the thing that is really befuddling to all of us is why is he leaving? And I don't know if we're ever going to hear that. You know, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to know that. I mean, there's obviously going to be a bunch of theories put out there, but you know, when you said you want to hear from Nick Suriano, I can promise you that he's not going to say this is what went wrong at Penn state. He's just going to say, I wanted to be closer to home and this and that because kids don't generally don't badmouth places on the way out. And in this case, if he did, it just doesn't look. It, I mean, what, what it's kind of what do you say? Why they were just scoring too many points and having too much fun and winning too many titles? I mean, it's you know, it, I mean, like what are you going to say, right? Like it's kind of a, you know, it, it's just going to be. And I think that's what everybody's thinking. So, um, I do think it's interesting that, you know, other schools are looking into into contacting, and then that's being denied. I I, I find that interesting because. And, and I, I see both sides of it as a guy that recruited a lot of really good kids and lost out on, re, you know, getting good kids. The, the thing that I, I sort of respectfully think could be different than what you're saying is I think the toothpaste could go back in the tube. I think if Suriano and, and the other thing is, you know, when we're, we're recording this on, you know, August 10th, I don't know when school starts at Penn State or Rutgers. I mean, I know there's late starting classes and there's other options, you know, like second eight weeks and stuff like that. But, you know, calendar is obviously essential here, but I think, but, you know, I mean, Penn state, you know, kind of needs Suriano. I mean, they want it without him, but you know, they, they don't have an abundance of 25 pounders. I, you know, I think this is something where everybody could kiss and make up. I don't think that's likely, but I don't think it's impossible. I, I, right, I mean, I right. think, you, you know, stuff, you know, people look, I, I mean, I think what one of the things we all forget is at the end of the day, you're talking about 18 to 23 year old kids and, you know, people get their feelings hurt. And sometimes, I mean, you know, if you hurt my feelings, I obviously think it's reasonable and you're like, you know, Hey, it's not that big of a deal. Don't get bent out of shape about it. And sometimes I'm right. And sometimes the other person's right, you know, but you know, it, it is weird because they're, they have, you know, people at Penn State, the kids, not only are they saying, you know, it's not like they're not, compl- you know, just not complaining. They're celebrating how much fun they're having there. So it's it's truly a unique situation. And I, the one thing I can say pretty confidently <laughs> is I don't think we're ever going to really hear what really happened. Like, I don't think we're ever going to hear the why. Hey, you never know. We'll see. I'm sure he's going to be asked, you know, and, and as tight as the wrestling community is, nothing stays secret for too long, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so one way or another, whether it comes out of Nick Suriano's mouth or whether uh word circulates elsewhere, I, I think in time people will probably find out, you know, what, uh, what the driving force was behind this, but uh, I'm with you. I, I don't know that, uh, you know, that, it's over and done. I, I wouldn't want to declare that just because I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the points that you laid out are very, very valid. So anyway, do you have anything else this week, David? No, I just, you know, just to cap it off, I just think junior worlds were amazing. I think track did a great job. It was super cool to see those guys accomplish their goals and, um, you know, just, you know, on a personal bias, you know, personal relationship, really a shout out to uh, Savion Separato and the Cornell Robinson and those guys. It just, I'm just super happy for those guys. I'm actually going to get to see him this weekend and just, uh, 
just cool to, you know, when you see kids do this every once in a while, they're, you know, close to home and it's, it's pretty cool to, to, to see that happen firsthand. And, you know, events like that change young men's lives and change families' lives. And I think, I think that happened this past weekend. So that's pretty cool. Well, there's going to be more of that coming in a week. Senior World Championships are actually be a week and a half. Uh, we're down to 11 days out from Senior World Championships in Paris, France. Uh, that's going to be on track wrestling as well. Shane Sparks, you can check out the Path to Paris with Shane Sparks. He's uh, started a podcast leading up to the World Championships. Had Jordan Burroughs on, terrific interview with Jordan Burroughs. Uh, Thomas Gilman is up on track wrestling as well. Going to have interviews with Kyle Snyder, Haley Augello, and a lot more to come there. So be sure to check that out. David, what do you got coming on Matt Chat? Uh, Eric Guerrero will be on tomorrow and then working on some things for next week. We we did that interview. He actually did the first interview with us, but um, with Kevin Jackson and Kevin Dresser, we just, you know, we just moved it back in the rotation. So, um, but it was really good to talk to him. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him privately since then. He's just, he's, you know, he's very happy with how things are going. And I, I imagine big, big news will be coming out of there fairly soon. But, you know, he gave us the lowdown on a lot of that and um, working on some things for next week. And then I'm actually going to be out of the country when you're out of the country. So we'll, we'll have to use our technology to make all this happen for at least one week. But where are you? Um, I'm actually going to be in Dubai again. So yeah. going back to, yeah. So it, it's only a hundred degrees here, so I figured I need to go somewhere where it was hotter this time of the year. So yeah, I didn't think there was any place on earth hotter than St. Louis in in August. It's actually but really mild one. here right now. It's kind of weird. I went to the Cardinal game last night. It was like eighty. I'm like, this is no bizarre. Way. Yeah, no humidity. So I'm like, I you know, I apparently cannot stand you know stand the nice weather. So I'm gonna go where. It's, I mean, it's it's hot in Celsius there, so that ought to tell you something. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, that'll do it for this week's edition of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. Thank you, as always, David. My pleasure. And you can download and listen to us on the go on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you're listening to us on the Matt Talk Podcast Network, be sure to check out trackwrestling.com for a lot of uh, cool stuff coming down the way for previews of the World Championships. we got a 24-part series underway, about midway through that, profiling every member of USA Wrestling's men's freestyle, women's freestyle, and Greco-Roman world team members. The countdown to Paris is down to, as I mentioned, I think uh, 11 days today will be... Uh, uh, we're down to 11, so you can check out the countdown from 50 on down to 11 at this point. Uh, matches, highlights from top wrestlers around the world. So lots of cool stuff there. So that's all for this week, and be sure to tune, tune in next week for Weighing In. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.